you must have had to build some resiliency bones, I think, through that time, correct? <laughs> big, big time. And I think that's something that, um, you know, I was kind of a gift or a blessing in disguise just going through that adversity as a kid. And, um, you know, I didn't get along with everybody in school. I got picked on, things like that. So it definitely um, fueled a fire. But I think, you know, for me, it was more, I want to be better and I want to strive to be, you know, better than the next. I'm not going to stoop to that level. And I think that really excelled in my hockey career because I didn't have an ego. I didn't have, um, you know, this this kind of, I don't know, ego, I guess, to, to think I was better than the next guy. It was more just, what can I do to get better and, and being coachable? That was Mackenzie Stewart, formerly a Vancouver Canuck prospect and currently the CEO of Allegiance Hockey. And you are listening to the Up My Hockey podcast with Jason Padone. Welcome to Up My Hockey with Jason Padolan, where we deconstruct the NHL journey, discuss what it takes to make it, and have a few laughs along the way. I'm your host, Jason Padolan, a 31st overall draft pick who played 41 NHL games, but thought he was destined for a 1,000. Learn from my story and those of my guests. This is a hockey podcast about reaching your potential. Welcome back to the Up My Hockey podcast with Jason Padolan. I am your host, Jason Padolan, and today... We are going to actually go back in time a little bit. I was not able to secure a podcast guest this week, but that by no means diminishes the quality of this conversation uh, that I had with Mackenzie Stewart. Uh, This conversation was held inside my Facebook group, my uh, private parent Facebook group on on, Facebook. on Facebook, obviously, uh, where I bring in guests, experts, speakers um, to share their knowledge, share their story uh, in ways that will benefit the parents of that group to help their young athletes navigate the hockey space. Uh, If you are a parent out there and you are not a part of the group, I highly suggest you are. Um, uh, Lots of great stuff in there, lots of support, lots lots of encouragement. So that's the Up My Hockey Parent Group on Facebook. Uh, now that we got that out of the way, Mackenzie came on um, to talk about his story, to talk about his grind as a young athlete and, uh, and what transpired for himself on his own personal journey and what he's doing now. Uh, Mackenzie, like, the story itself uh, is super mind-blowing. It really is. Like, I don't want to uh, ruin all of it, but being deaf and having to overcome that, um, the other things that he experienced in his childhood – uh, his his eating and his commitment to his growth and his game to be able to be drafted and be able to play pro games, um, you know what he what he committed to doing, uh, how he committed to the development of himself, um, his own personal take on growth mindset and how he adopted it and how he helps other people apply it. Uh, this conversation is rock solid. Mackenzie is a rock solid guy. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. It's one of the highlights for me of all the conversations that I've had. Uh, there was talk of us doing it again, and maybe we will do it again. Uh, but but again, this is worth your listen. I promise you, there is so much to take away from this. Uh, just a great human story, and it's a great hockey story. Uh, one thing I will uh, brief you on, or brief you on, get you ready for, is that my voice. There's something wrong with my microphone that day because I sound a bit Darth Vader-like. 
So it's not so horrific uh, that I that I think that I, I shouldn't air it. Um, you know what what Mackenzie offers the conversation far outweighs uh, how my voice sounds. So just deal with it. I didn't have a cold. There was nothing wrong with me. It was just uh, the microphone to acting up and gave me a little bit more of a baritone than I already have. So, uh, anyways, uh, that's enough about that. But without further ado, I bring you uh, Mackenzie Stewart, and you're gonna love this story. All right. Yes, we are live. So, Mackenzie, thanks for joining. Uh, I'm going to get into your story here. And I think for all those listening on this Thursday Q&A session, uh, they want to know a little bit about you, uh, a name that maybe isn't as recognizable as some, but love the story and love where you got to and everything else. And for those who didn't have a chance to get into the description uh, Mackenzie started a company called Allegiance, um, Allegiance Hockey and Allegiance Hockey is a mentorship, um, skills program, right. With a lot of different components. And, uh, I'm just going to read the, the bio here and this will be a good place. I think for us to start, it says Mackenzie Stewart is a former professional hockey player drafted by the Vancouver Canucks in 2014 and signed one year later. Mackenzie comes from a humbling beginning, born deaf. McKenzie wasn't able to step into skates until the age of 12, where he played the lowest level of community hockey his first season. Working on his craft, McKenzie dedicated himself to making up for lost time. He learned from powerful mentors and coaches and spent long hours working on his de hockey development plans. McKenzie quickly excelled to play his first season in the WHL at 18 and was rewarded for his hard work and leadership through, be, uh, through being drafted by the Vancouver Canucks that same year. McKenzie learned how to develop his skills from NHL qualified coaches and players that allowed him to opportunity to develop at the highest level. He designed this course because of his belief is that if I can do it, anyone can. So the course he's talking about is an online program. He also offers some one-on-one -on -one, uh, skill stuff. One of my clients actually works with McKenzie uh, in, in his local area there. And uh, I just want to talk about this. Uh, so I, I said to McKenzie, if he wouldn't mind, that I would like to treat this a little bit like a podcast portion because it's so cool to read that and it got me really curious. So born deaf, first of all, I mean, you're talking to me now. So what, yeah. what, 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 explain that to us. That's such a crazy beginning. Yeah. So, um, this is one I get a lot and I've had a lot of questions on it, um, over my time playing hockey, but, um, I was born deaf and I had a ton of surgeries as a kid. Um, so basically I had some sort of serious asthma and fluid in my ear that I just, I couldn't hear anything. Um, so I had a bunch of surgeries to kind of reconstruct my palate, reconstruct um, certain pieces of my ear to get my hearing back. So now I have about 80% hearing. Um, and ever since that, it, it was kind of a process before I could step on the, the ice again because there wasn't a lot of physical contact. So um, that was kind of the journey from the beginning there. Was <laughs> just in the hospitals all the time as a youth. That is insane. So like, when did the surgeries end? Like when was your last surgery because of this? I think I was about seven or eight years old when I had my last one. And then after that, it was speech therapy and a bunch of other things going up. They actually uh, wanted to put me into special needs school because I, I couldn't talk very well. And so I just had to work my ass off to get my speech better and be in the normal kids. Right. Well, holy smokes, man. Like that's, that's super inspiring. One, congratulations. You, you, uh, 
you're a handsome, good-looking man. You talk <laughs> completely normal, and you can hear what I'm saying. So I think everything must have worked out pretty good there, hey? Right? Yeah, no, it's it's, uh, it's been a journey, but it's you know it's something to look back on, and, and the adversity that you face early on can get you through other challenges in life. No, 100%. I was going to touch on that. That's a great point. Like, you know, you say that there that you you know you weren't able to skate, but do you think that 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 helped you in some way? Like, once you were able to exactly. skate, once you'd been through. I think that definitely fueled the passion and, and the work ethic that I was known for was, um, you know, I, I had gone without it for a while. So it was so nice to just be able to have that, you know, activity to do and be a part of an organization, be a part of a team. Um, it puts things into a different perspective for you and you become more grateful for things. A hundred percent. And I imagine, you know, one of the things that I work with guys on uh, a lot of the time is that the skill and the ability to persevere through other people's judgment and through, you know, getting out of your own way and the ego of what people might think, especially when you're approaching a skill or, or a situation where maybe you didn't perform the way you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I imagine, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like dealing with that type of judgment growing up and knowing that maybe mm-hmm. you weren't talking quite right or couldn't quite hear properly, like, you must have had to build some resiliency bones, I think, through that time, correct? <laughs> big, big time. And I think that's something that, um, you know, I was kind of a gift or a blessing in disguise just going through that adversity as a kid. And, um, you know, I didn't get along with everybody in school. I got picked on, things like that. So it definitely um, fueled a fire. But I think, you know, for me, it was more I want to be better and I want to strive to be, you know, better than the next. I'm not going to stoop to that level. And I think that I really excelled in my hockey career because I didn't have an ego. I didn't have um you know this this kind of i don't know ego i guess to to think i was better than the next guy it was more just what can i do to get better and and being coachable um i think that's what really excelled me through the levels that's awesome no that's uh that is a gift you mean it's so crazy because i do talk about about that uh actually my mindset 101 that a lot of the listeners here have have taken and and that's the idea that the experience and whatever that is, you mean your experience being born deaf and having these surgeries and having people being picked on, like if we can frame that at the time, try and reframe that somehow that we understand there is an opportunity there, that there is a blessing, you know, that there is a solution that, uh, it can be the best thing that potentially ever happened to you, you know, big time. It's a lot to do with perspective, I think. And as I start to become a coach and step away from player, it's, um, it's, it's another learning experience where the ego comes up again and you kind of have to learn to, why did I get that frustration? What's happening and how can I improve? Um, right. as opposed to play a victim mentality, which, it, you know, happens all too often. Yeah, that's, that's really, that's really crazy. So 12 years old, so you get the skates back on, uh, at that time, was it, you know, was it like, man, I just want to go skate. Like I enjoy this sport <laughs> or, or was it like, I, this is the start of my hockey career. Like how, <laughs> what was the approach at that time? Um, I think it's it's always been the same approach. It didn't matter what level I was on. It kind of, kind of had this, maybe I wasn't um, confident in myself enough during my career, but um, I was just so grateful to play and so happy to be out there and perform. And um, I realized really quickly, I mean, even though I played one of the worst levels in, in peewee hockey at the year, um, I was one of the best players on my team. Um, and so that, I think motivated me to get better. And as I started to work on my skills and, and kind of think about the game, not as a whole, but individually of, you know, I'm going to work on my hands. I'm going to work on my skating. I'm going to work on each piece of the puzzle that I thought would help me get to the next level. After watching friends who I thought were extremely talented at the time, I thought, Oh, how can I do what he just did? And then I go practice it. 
And I would do it over and over again. And it was just so addicting to get better. And then all of a sudden skate with somebody who's better than you three months ago to be closer to them and chasing. And it was just a constant chase um, to get to the next level. And I enjoyed every second of it. That's wild, man. Like you're a poster boy for the growth mindset. Like, but, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it, it, that is what it is though. I mean, that's that belief and that, uh, this insatiable appetite to improve, right? Like just to exactly. have this process driven mentality that I am going to get better, you know, every day. Exactly. And, and it's a, it's a choice. That's one of the things that I talk to everybody about that. This is a choice. This is something that can be modeled. Like, and if working with someone like you that lives this, like to see that in action is one thing to, to be able to say it is another thing to make sure that it's reinforced is another thing because with that, man, we can get a lot, a lot better. Um, and it's one of the things that I, that I kind of feel bad about for myself is because I was on that, maybe the other end of the spectrum from you potentially, right? Yeah. Like I was like, I was that really talented kid and now I worked hard, but I didn't have that mentality of like, how do I get better every day? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I was yeah. working hard, but not necessarily in a skill development <clears throat> component. Right. And I lost it even once I got to pro. And I think, man, if I would have understood what growth mindset was and that, you know, that there can be a belief about getting better daily that actually serves you and helps where you want to go in your goals, like, boy, that's a juggernaut right yeah, there. It's, it's huge. And it's, you know, it's something that I think I was addicted to and I was kind of a freak with it. Um, if there was any little thing that I thought was going to give me an edge, I would do it. Um, I remember I was in the WHL my first season and, um, you know, we won't get too much into it, but this is just part of discipline and dedication of like how addicted I was to getting better. Um, I used to bring a giant cooler on the bus. I would refuse to eat pregame meals because I was like, pasta and me don't get along. I'll put on weight. So I got to stay in fight and shape here. And I bring this giant cooler on the bus and like pack all my own food, cook all my own meals at 18 years old. And people were looking at me like I was freaking crazy. Um, but all the w all the NHL teams that I talked to that season, that's one of the things they brought up. And they're like, do you seriously bring a cooler? And it's like every single road trip that's with me. Um, and that's the kind of dedication it takes for anybody who's listening or, you know, the hard work and the skills and all that will, will get you really far. But it's the discipline and the dedication to that growth mindset and being able to put into perspective of the opportunity that's right in front of you. Don't get too far caught ahead on, you know, I want to play in the NHL. Obviously, that's a goal. But I think more people just need to focus on being the best at the level they're currently at. And then eventually you'll start to improve and you can just keep building off of that. That is awesome. I've been on that bus as you have been, you know, and it's like yeah. we've already touched on it like that, that un, being uncompromising about who you are and having that thick skin. And I talk about standards a lot, too. And like so you to embrace that standard. The, the the McKenzie standard, right? That this is this is what I am, and this is who I am, and I am going to be different than you guys, and I don't give a rip, you know, like what you yeah. think about that or what type of hard time you're going to give me, uh, is impressive, man. Like that's super cool, and that's why I can understand why scouts were impressed by that because all of a sudden now you're standing out. Yeah, big right? time, man. You're I mean, a guy willing to do stuff other guys aren't. Yeah, hundred percent. I played full. Full end of my career. I mean, you could look up and down the lineup. There was never really a night where you could point out next to a Leon Dreisaitl, who I played with, where they're like, oh, wow, this guy's par for par with him. But in terms of work ethic and ability to learn and pick up skills as I went along, um, I think I was unmatched. And that's what earned me a contract. That's what earned me a spot in the NHL was that work ethic and knowing that if we bring this guy onto an organization, he's going to set a new standard, for, even for guys who are even currently in the NHL. 
Um, even when I went to camp, it was the same thing. Um, you know, the, the guys are crediting me for that. No, I mean, uh, super impressive because you know what, like the idea here is too, and, and I don't mean this condescendingly at all, but like, if I look at your hockey DB, like your stats do not impress. <laughs> no, you know not at I mean? all. Yeah, not at all. But that's the thing that's like beautiful and being honest about is because you can look at that stat line and be like, oh, okay, like what, what did he do? But like what you did, number one thing, first star was that you brought this character and this attitude and this approach to your game that got you to a level to be recognized, but then would also separate you from your peers in a different way that other guys weren't. Yeah, and guys yeah. want that in their in their organization and in their lineup, um, and I think that's like, it's just it's such a powerful thing to see it like in the flesh, right? Because yeah. people don't really get that that like it's not necessarily the best seven hundred twenty five player in the world that that play in the NHL and get these contracts. You think talent exactly. all the time, right? But there's yeah. puzzles involved in this, and there's character, and there's pieces to the puzzle, and and to have a guy in the minors or whatever that is that can be an example like you. Um, can get you jobs and can get you contracts yeah. and get you paid and can continue your career and do what you love to do. Right. So, yeah. um, good on you, man. I absolutely love that. I'm going to go back a little bit. Uh, cause you mentioned the word grateful, that you were grateful to play. You were grateful to yeah. be around the rink. Um, do we have any advice for parents there? Because I, I see that I use that as a coach a lot. I use that with my mm -hmm. own kids a lot. I don't pretend to be an expert in it. Um, my gratitude practice has improved on a personal level. You know, I try to incorporate it daily and it's really wise in my opinion for kids to practice it and to get them to be appreciative because it's really easy to do in this privileged kind of day and age of uh, in this hockey thing that we play. Right. So yeah. how do you, how do you approach that with either your, your, your clients or even in your own personal uh, gratitude practice? So I'll, I'll give you kind of two perspectives. And I think perspective is anything. Um, if you have a half glass, half full or half empty perspective, it's going to be how your life reflects in front of you. Um, I'm a big believer in that. But if I said to you today, um, you know, I'll give you a million dollars today. Um, you can do whatever you want with it. You're going to be happy as hell because you just had a million dollars in your pocket. Um, but I said, tomorrow, you're not going to wake up. If you take the million dollars today, tomorrow you're not going to wake up. If you refuse it tomorrow, this is another day you're going to wake up. Would you take that million dollars? Me? Yeah. No, never. Never, right? But we don't no. take into life that way. If I gave you a million dollars, you'd be so happy, so excited to get up in the morning. But we just agreed that a million dollars isn't worth as much as life. So if you have that perspective every single day when you wake up that I just got gifted more than a million dollars, you should be that excited every single day, um, especially for somebody who's playing the sport that they love. Like I would get up at 5 a.m. and be like, it's not early enough. I need to like keep going. Like this is, I can't wait to get on the ice again. And you should have that attitude. Um, and when we talk about energy or um, kind of how the universe treats us in terms of our reflection of ourselves and what we want out of life, if we're continuously to have this negative energy over us or we look into the future too much and we, we're not grateful for what we have right now, um, as a parent, think about it like this. If you gave your kids a bunch of gifts, everything that they could imagine, new hockey sticks, skates, you spoiled them to death, and they just said, yeah, whatever, thanks. But, uh, you know, I want this thing that the neighbor has. And then all of a sudden you give a gift to the neighbor, and it's the simplest thing ever, and he's like, oh, my God, thank you so much. Like, you feel so good about yourself. You want to give more back to that person. Well, the universe works in the same way. If you're not grateful for what it's given you in this moment, it's just going to think of you as a spoiled kid and give you nothing. 
So you have to be very grateful for what you have in front of you right now and work with what you have. Because if you have two legs and heartbeat, like you have something to be grateful for right now. Um, and there's just so much of that where we have an instant gratification of, I see it on TV. I want to be there. I want it now. Um, I want to, you know, be the star. And it's, it's a process. Anybody who's lived it knows it's a process and the best at it um, are extremely grateful and know what a blessing it is to be at that level. Yeah. I think that that's, uh, that's cool with the, with the million dollar uh, analogy that, uh, you know, every day is a gift that's worth more than that. Uh, it's a cool perspective. I, I think, I think that what you touched on there, you know, I'd love to be able to bring that down from just a little bit to be like a little more practical in the sense of like, how yeah. does that message get delivered to a 10, 13, 14 year old kid, right. Who just got benched by his coach or thinks it's, you know, I don't know what it is. I mean, they get pouty and, and there's this, there's this attitude sometimes that maybe doesn't come through the way, you know, they want, you know, to act even, or the way you'd like them to act. Is there, you know, like with that, it's just such a powerful thing. And I, I guess maybe, is there something more like, what's the, what is the message? Because like, we can say, be grateful, right. And, but like, how, how do we be grateful? Like, what is, is there, is there something that we can, like, is there a practice that you do to wake up with that type of, uh, you know, <laughs> smile and, and energy. I, and yeah, I literally have, um, you know, I, I put a, a note out every single day. Um, and it's like, <clears throat> congratulations, you just got another day. Um, and I think that that's something that, you know, if I'm looking at a, a kid who maybe has some attitude issue or they're not getting what they want right now um, and you start to get negative and it, it's maybe not attitude as much as they lose belief in themselves, um, understanding that, we're accountable for everything that comes into our life. So that message that's being sent to you right now, you got benched is a blessing because if they don't give you that message and just tell you you're great and bench you anyways, what good is that to you? So right. the negative feedback that somebody is giving you or what you're receiving from how you feel is pushing you in the direction that you need to go. And when you get comfortable with being uncomfortable is when you're going to see growth. Um, nobody gets growth when they're comfortable. So when you have something negative happen or something in, you know, in that kind of situation, like listen to it, listen to the feedback and listen, how do you react and start asking yourself questions as to why you feel that way. If you feel disappointed, what did you do to let yourself down? Because it's not somebody else. It's your own problem. Um, and that's really going to help you understand where you need to improve one as a player. Um, and then two as a person as well, where your frustrations are coming from and how you can improve certain areas of your game. And I mean, you work with that all the time with self-talk and, confidence in those issues well a lot of it comes from ourselves and um not not listening to what's coming to our own life and taking accountability for it no yeah i mean 100 percent. i think that's really powerful stuff the uh gratitude is is wild like i think it's so wild it's one of the i mean it's definitely be get, getting more momentum i guess in mainstream like people are talking about it more in, in high performance circles and, and and as a tool to uh you know, to be better and to change your standards. I think like that whole aspect of gratitude is, is actually a really interesting tool when you get into anxiety, even like not even yeah. depression, not even like being mopey, but like one of the things sometimes for some of my players that I work with, like that'll be, that's their thing. Like yeah. you get into that environment, right? That you're anxious, you're nervous, you have perform performance anxiety. You just switch that on his head when you start being grateful for what's in front of you and the opportunity that you're in the dressing room and to be yeah. thankful that you're got your skates on and you're in this moment. Like when you can switch your thoughts to that, a lot of this gets, goes away for people. Like it's, exactly. uh, it's behind it too. Right. 
Yeah. And I think it's just stepping outside of your own ego and understanding um, that kind of process of, you know, everything around me is a gift and, and really just breaking it down to that simple fact that if you're breathing and you have life, then you have something to be grateful for. Um, and it's worth more than any money, any job, anything in the world. If you are a hockey player who was affected by a tumultuous season with stops and starts, restrictions, maybe no season at all, no games, you were impacted. Uh, you were definitely at a disadvantage, and this off season is your time to shine. This is your time to make up for lost ground. I've had a lot of people contact me about you know players that have lost motivation, players that have lost their edge, uh, players who are uncertain about the future. For all of you players, anyone who wants to double down in the offseason, whether you're off of motivation or whether you're dialed in and you just want to take the game to the next level and make sure you're ready for camp and whatever opportunity comes forward, I created an amazing program called Peak Potential Project. It's a group program. For the first time, I'm going to offer group coaching services to only 20 athletes. Uh, it's a four-week program. Where we're going to dial in the mindset required uh, to kick some butt this offseason and to bring that forward into your future campaign here. Uh, I'm going to teach you all the tricks that I go with, uh, that I use for my, uh, for my private clients. And I'm really excited about this because I know players need this more than ever. Uh, we do not want to get left behind because of a crappy season last year. We want to charge full throttle into this season. So if you want to check that out, check that out at www.myhockey.com. Uh, the program sign-up will be there. Uh, you can find out more about the program and what we're going to be covering. Um, it's going to fill up fast. So if you're listening to this, uh, probably drops on a Monday. Uh, we're going to go live a week from Monday. So, yeah, there's only 20 spots available. So, so get in if you're interested, www.upmyhockey.com. Four weeks of kick-butt support, accountability coaching from me, and mindset techniques that are going to take your game to the next level. Cheers. Gotcha. I got uh, Jocelyn, thanks for saying hi. Welcome to the, to the show. There's a few people have been commenting. One thing I don't like about Facebook or using StreamYard, guys, is that some people are recognized and some people aren't. So I'm not really familiar with that on your end, like what you see, I think StreamYard does say it's a quick little process. I th I think if if uh, if you want to be recognized, so I can recognize who's who's on the call. Um, please do that next time you log in. So Jocelyn has done that, and so I know Jocelyn's here. Someone else is coming in um, without any identification, and they think I think gratitude is a mature concept and not easily instilled in someone else. It's something you learn every day as you age. This young man gets it. Uh, <laughs> Cool. That means you. Um, so that, yeah, I mean, uh, true. But I do, you know, I, I, I do think, because I'm such a growth mindset kind of guy now, I, I do think that the more that we model that and the more that we talk about it to our to our youngsters, I think that it's something that is sponged off us, you know? For like sure. it's, Yeah, it's something that that can be understood if they see it, you know, and uh, absolutely, absolutely. And I think in this world, in this day and age where everything's so quick and so fast, um, it's hard to just take your head out of everything that's going on and let the stressors, you know, we're always thinking about what's next, what's next, but we don't take the moment to just appreciate what's in front of us. And something as simple as like the meal that's put in front of you. Like if you're, if you want to instill that into somebody, understand how a meal gets there, understand that somebody's working, you know, to put a light, in your roof or whatever it is, right? Like all these things have a process to work and it's amazing when you think about it, but we don't take the time to just sit there and, 
um, step out of our busy lives to kind of appreciate everything around us. Um, These, um, I just wrote a note there while you were talking, Uh, you talked about like that process and the instant gratification. And for the parents out there, like now from a hockey angle, like I think this generation of kids, and if you're listening to this and if you're in this group, you have a kid that's, you know, either in junior or in minor hockey, they have grown up 100% in the technical age right? They've grown up with the screen in front of them. They've grown up with Netflix and press the button, you get a movie. They've grown up with uh, press the button online and it's going to be there the next day from Amazon. Uh, Like they've grown up with this, like they don't know anything different, right? So like Mm -hmm. the instant gratification is like at an all time high. And so this element of waiting of like under even standing what a process is, is like really foreign. And I think sports is a massive gift for that and hockey, right? They need to understand it because if you can embrace that now as an athlete, the stuff you're talking about, it's a massive game changer. Big time. And I think there's two things to that um, statement is that patience. I don't think patience is the answer. I think things take time, but patience, you shouldn't have patience. If you're not happy with where you are right now, do double, do triple what you're doing right now, but understand that that work that you're putting in takes time. And to put that into perspective in my own career, when I was 15 years old, I got cut from um, Midget AAA and I didn't have a, I was playing at a prep school, so I couldn't go back to the city at the time. Um, so I went and played junior B hockey. And that year at 16, I got cut from three different teams in junior B hockey. But the entire time, I was still sticking to my process. I was still sticking to my power skating, still doing all my skills that I need to do, um, putting my best foot forward, even though it was a circumstance that wasn't in my favor. At 17 years old, I got an invite to a WHL camp. They didn't even have my name on the list. And I signed a contract with that team, with the PA Raiders at 17 years old because I continued to do the work even though it wasn't being put out in front of me because I was still grateful for the opportunity. I was like, well, if I got cut from this team, well, at least this one's a little bit closer to home. I don't have to travel as far. Oh, I got cut from this one? Well, it's in the city now, and I still get to play. It's better than not having a team at all. And you have to really put that perspective in and understand that the work that you put in today is going to pay off tomorrow. But if you're not happy, don't sit and wait for things to happen. Do more and understand things take time. Right. Exactly. That standard that I talked about earlier and that I talk about all the time, right? Develop your standard. What is that? And I like that. I mean, don't be patient, but there is, but be patient with the process, right? Don't be patient yeah. with where you're at, put in the work, be patient with, with what it takes to get there. Because you, if you outlast people, you're going to have an advantage, you know, and, and that's the thing. It's so hard for guys now, right? Okay. Yeah, I want to get better at whatever my shot and they'll shoot pucks for the first five days, but they don't shoot pucks for day six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10, right? Like if you can find out to how, where you can have the attrition in this, um, that's powerful. And that's like up here. It's all and, mental. That, and that's what it is. Yeah. It's, it's all, all mental. mental. The biggest it's skill that mental. anybody can have is discipline. Discipline will take yeah. you the whole way, but it's the hardest thing to yeah. practice. And it's a skill that anybody can acquire. Yeah. Yeah, man. Isn't that wild? Like that is so wild. And it's funny because, you know, it, within this group, I talk about it and, and there's some people that will, will come to me, you know, and, and, and try and figure out what it means to work with someone like me. Right. And we'll talk about kind of what we're talking about right now. Yeah. And, and, and it's interesting because as a parent, like, it's really, it, it's like you go into a store, right. And you, and you spend your money and, and you buy, uh, you know, a kneeboard for, for your boat. So you walk out with the kneeboard, you know what you got, right? Yeah. And so like with power skating or with skills, what you'd have, like that's a more tangible thing for people, right? For sure. Like, okay, I'm going to invest 
in power skating. I get to go watch the power skating lesson. I see that he's skating. He's on the ice. This makes sense to me, right? But then when we talk about, hey, you can learn dedication. You know, you can learn perseverance. You can learn how to control your anxiety with the right support and with the right repetition. That's like starts to get mushy. And even though it's like so powerful and it's so real and it is a skill, it's really hard for people to metabolize what that means. But um, I love to talk about it because it's like, I think it's the biggest thing going. I, we know how I got into this kind of growth mindset or perspective. I mean, lots of it, I think I did naturally. Um, but I had a coach and he hated me and I hated him. We did not get along whatsoever. Um, and he would just, he refused to play me in my first, no, it was my second year in the WHL, refused to play me. Um, it didn't matter what I did, how hard I worked. He just, we did not get on the same page. And one day he came up and he said to me, um, here you go. This is a book I want you to read. And I was like, whatever, like, I, I, I don't care, but I'm going to do it because that's who I am. And, you know, if somebody assigns me something, I want to do the best at it. And he gave me the book called The Secret. And The Secret is all about visualization, seeing yourself where you want to be, and then believing in yourself and understanding that the universe will pay you back. I read that book. I closed it and I said, what a freaking crack job. Like, <laughs> who gives me this book? Like, just put me on the ice. This is not going to help me whatsoever. Um, but later, what I realized was such a powerful thing is that that's so true. And what that book misses out on is that you have to believe in yourself. You have to visualize yourself where you want to be, um, no matter what the outside looks like. And then you have to put it to action. You have to put yeah. it to action and stick to it and have yeah. the discipline to continue because the universe, it, it pays to people who take action. You can't think your way into the NHL, but if you think differently with a good perspective and put it to action on all your skills and everything else, you will excel past everybody else. And I'm living proof of it. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I agree with you. And I know that book well, and they turned it into a movie. And and I do also agree that that's the missing component is like, they don't talk about, it almost seems like you can sit in a couch with that movie, right? And just yeah, like, exactly. wish yourself to a millionaire. I mean, no, it doesn't work that way. But like, I mean, the idea of seeing yourself in that position to see yourself abs at, at actually living or executing that thing that you want to execute, that that does help. That, that neurology it changes helps, that right? perspective of, um, you know, the, the perspective of, I, you know, I wish I could be an NHL player to how can I be an NHL player? And when you flip that around, right. now suddenly you start giving yourself tools to get there and you start looking for answers and you find guys like yourself and like me um, who are willing to guide you in the steps that it takes to get there. Yep. That's cool. And I saw on your website when I was going over it that your first uh, testimonial, or at least the first one that showed up for me, was Ryan Johnson. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Ryan Johnson was my first pro roommate, just FYI. Oh, really? So, like, that's hilarious. Yeah, really. So we were, uh, he was drafted five spots after me, I think by Florida in the same draft year in 94. So we entered the Florida Panther organization together. He was from Thunder Bay. We had, a, we had a camp there once with, with Florida and, uh, just got along great with him. And we both started our, our first pro year in the minors and, uh, and started rooming together. So I know RJ real well, awesome guy. Um, I, I assume that was from your time in Utica where you got to know him or, or uh, actually, so when I first went into Vancouver, he was head of player development. So me and him built a relationship right away. I still talk to RJ actually. And, uh, he, I'd come down to Vancouver's camp and help with the prospect and things like that. But then he went from player development to GM at Utica the year after, I think. Right. And then Smeal took over for player development there. So yeah, no, I have a great relationship with Vancouver still. And he's awesome. I love him. He's, he's a real deal. Awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Real good guy. Um, all right, well, let's get into 
um, more about what you do, I guess. And, and I think that's from, and we'll cover the skills, the skills side. I think I know you're, you're, yeah. you do mentorship well and you get into nutrition and there's lots of places that you touch on, but I think for what we're at and what I think is, is applicable to, to my, uh, to my group here is, Hey, we're in a time where not a lot of people are even on the ice, right? Yeah. A lot of people still don't have access to ice. Uh, so I'd like to cover it kind of from that aspect, the skill development aspect and what guys can be doing now. And uh, in the big picture, though, maybe before we get there is the game's so fast now, right? And the, and yeah. everyone seems to be so skilled and everyone talks about how this game has kind of changed and evolved. Like, do you feel with your own approach and, and your own philosophy, like what what is the biggest component of a hockey player in today's, in today's day and age? I actually had a good conversation with RJ about this. Um, and he's, you know, obviously in the NHL level, they see it um, even with their top prospects. It's skating. Skating is number one skill that's going to take you to the next level. Um, if, if you can't skate, you're, you're going to fall off big time. And that's something where in my own game, um, I wasn't a, a strong skater until I started to work on it. And I had worked on it for years, every single, you know, every other day I was doing different kind of power skating and, um, you know, improving your edges, improving your foot speed, improving your um, ability to have a lengthened stride. And I mean, we can really get into that, but I see guys coming to Vancouver's campus prospects who are, they, they kill it in the fitness testing, but they can't skate because they haven't been taught the fundamentals of a stride, how to properly um, transfer your load from, from blade to blade. And it's such a unique skill. And when you get really, really good at it, you can see guys like, for example, who's maybe not in the best physical shape, Phil Kessel, but he's one of the most fluent skaters in the NHL simply because his stride pattern is just so perfect. Um, you know, being able to transfer load like that and being able to excel and change direction, I think is more important than these days. Um, straight line skating isn't enough anymore. You really have to be able to have that quick lateral movement um, from side to side. So skating by far is going to be um, what takes you the, the length. I agree. Yeah, I, I'm glad you said that. I mean, I, I say that to my Adam guys at practice. I mean, that's kind of one. That's one of my monikers. Is I'm like, you can't skate, you can't play. It's, yeah. it's it's almost that simple. You know, like gone are the days of of the guy being able to sit in the slot with a big one timer and, and and score the goals. You got to be able to get to the slot. You know, and you, yeah. you got to be able to be interactive on the forecheck and be able to get back in your own end. Um, it's becoming such a 200 foot game that that you got to be able to get around. So yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you from a skill side. I think skating's the thing, and uh, and if you are really passionate about hockey and you want hockey to be your thing, you can get by without the best hands. You can get by without Big maybe a shot, right? You can find any lineup if you're an amazing skater. So um, I agree with that. Well, one one question I have is, uh, this is just me from an outside looking in. Most of the attention I find people are are focusing on now is the edge work, like all the fancy edge work drills. Yeah. I'm victim of it a little bit too uh you know i won't get into maybe all the different practices but i think the power like the, the actual stride like the composition of the stride and the fundamentals of the stride and like you mentioned be able to elongate your stride like that straight line scenario doesn't yeah. get touched on very much anymore i don't think like do you see that yourself so what i've well what i've been mentored on and, and through my power skating is a lot about the neurological connection between our feet hips shoulders and our head. We want to be in that straight kind of line. Um, and the edge work working on one foot is amazing. It's amazing stuff. Like it shouldn't be skipped whatsoever. I think once you get comfortable on your edges, you're going to become a more dynamic. You're going to become a more fluent skater through your stride. Where I see a 
big kind of failure in stride is that, and this is, you know, controversial to some, and I can explain kind of the science behind it, but um, we like to push instead of step, if that makes sense. So when, when we have our feet together, we want to push this foot out instead of step and transfer my load. And when you step to transfer a load, imagine your leg, how much can you push with one leg? Even if you're the strongest athlete in the world, let's say it's like 300 pounds. Well, if I can step, I'm transferring all my weight onto that next stride and I'm extending all my body weight plus the force that it takes to move that. You're gonna have a longer stride, more efficient stride just from changing away from a push. You're not gonna wear out as fast. Um, and we break that down. And a lot of it comes to edge work because even just think about naturally walking, we're never really on two feet when we're walking. We're always on one foot. So same thing with skating. When you're in that long stride, you're really skating on one foot essentially until you make your next step and that release point happens and you step back in. So if you're not comfortable on your edges, you're going to struggle um, with your stride. Right. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Uh, I like the way that you break it down there. One of the things, one of the things that I talk about uh, with the guys that I work with is, is just that, is being able to get your weight onto that leg now an issue i find i'm not sure if you find the same thing is that a lot of times the leg strength isn't there to carry that load yeah so they're actually trying to get the weight off the leg you know which then gets into balance issues which then gets into all these other things right and, and a shorter stride and and less power because they don't want to be here as they, they want to be here you I mean you yeah. think about even when you're doing a squat right the position of your squat matters you can have your body weight over top of your legs and loading it or you can be forward you yeah. know and you're not and you're not getting that load so um, do you think that's a correlation, like as far as that form or even just leg strength in general is maybe a precursor for some of these issues? Yeah. So I think for hockey players, there's kind of three key points that we struggle with. And if you think about the average squat, um, we're really bent forward at our hips and then we're kind of straight with our legs, if that makes sense. And that's because of ankle mobility. So as hockey players, we struggle a lot with ankle mobility because we're in these boots that are just wrapped around, you know, our ankles. We, we, most skaters want to have um, that tight feeling of the laces and they think that's comfortable because it's, it feels secured. The ankle is what drives the knee forward. That's what allows you to get to the proper depth that it takes to get into a stride. So if you have stiff ankles, which I would say 99.99% of hockey players will, um, work on your ankle mobility, you're going to get more depth undo the top lace on your skate you're going to get a deeper squat you're going to allow for a stronger push you're going to be in a more powerful position simply by just getting a little bit more ankle mobility in your skates um the next from there obviously is just comes down to coordination and a lot of it is core strength too um you know a weak core is going to make you topple forward and on skates as we know the more you topple forward the more you're going to butt kick the more you're going to legs are going to fly out you're not going to be in a very efficient stride pattern you want to be more in that kind of um upper upper right position when it comes to skating because you're going to allow better leverage like you would in an ideal squat if that makes sense so working on your squat mm -hmm. off ice and your hip mobility your ankle mobility and getting great core strength is going to completely correlate into your stride pattern because the more forward you are the the least effective your stride is going to be you wouldn't squat with a barbell on your back with the barbell pushing over top of your knees you need those knees to come forward if that makes sense yep no, it does. It does. Yeah. That's, uh, the ankle mobility I agree with, like in, in the sense, although it's funny because like I was a guy that would wrap my ankles, right? So like yeah. from a, uh, 
from a motor kind of aspect, like to me, it makes sense. Like that's a whole other muscle group, meaning like your calf and, and, and you know, like that, that flexion when you kick your, when you kick your toe at the end of your stride, like all that is a, is a power uh, source, right? That maybe yeah. you, you know, I was underutilizing. Paul Coffey also like wrapped his ankles though, like one of the best skaters ever, right? So like, <laughs> it, it's kind of strange though, right? And I know there's not one, there's not one blanket theory, but like a lot of kids on my team were taking the top eyelid out of their skates. I had my son try that this year too to see what he thought of it. Um, to me, that functionally makes sense. At some point, though, I wonder, like it's not like a shoe, and I think it's not like a shoe for a reason because I think with, exactly. with the elevated size of, I mean, you're you're over top of that blade, right? So there's there's a there's an angle difference there where your ankle's not meant to really withstand all that type of pressure either. So I think that there is a happy medium there for some. There is big time a happy medium. And at the end of the day, what it comes down to is the amount of blade that's on the ice with more blade on the ice, the stronger your push is going to be. You have more force and more traction and the more friction you can reduce within your stride, the faster you're going to be. It only makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the more friction you have on a surface, it's going to slow itself down. So the less friction you have in your stride, which usually means the less noise you make um, on your edge work, the more efficient you're going to be with your stride. Um, and, you know, the more blade you can have on that ice, the better of a push you're going to have off of that leg as well. I'm going to take a short break from the episode with Mackenzie too. Thank you again for all the support that's been coming in. Super awesome. I'm grateful and grateful and grateful. Uh, love to hear the reviews. Like, I really love the reviews. The, the reviews is what really ticks uh, the, the, the clock on, uh, on iTunes. So uh, if you are a faithful listener, or even if you aren't, if you're a first-time listener and you enjoy what you're listening to, uh, a great way to say thank you for the content is to write a review. It really helps grow the podcast, and, and uh, it helps prioritize it on searches. It, helps, uh, it, it, it shows up in people's, uh, in people's feeds. And it really does a lot uh, for me and for and for growing the game and this and this talk about mindset and character and all these things that this this podcast stands for. So uh, I am going to read one, a recent one from last week. Uh, excellent and important podcast, five stars. Um, this comes from your pal. It says, "Oh, your pal Cal uh, via via Apple Podcast." So thank you, your pal Cal. Uh, he says, I'm a new fan and just listened to the Mark Dial episode. Great episode, by the way. Great story. If you haven't uh, listened to, to Mark's story, you, you got to tune into that one, uh, which uh, your Cal Pal says was phenomenal. What a wild story and a deep dive into Mark's tumultuous and abruptly ended career. How badly he was treated after his injury makes a guy's stomach turn. Thanks for bringing attention to stories like Mark's. It's great that there is less of a stigma these days about getting help with traumatic events and their impact on one's mental health, but there is so much room for improvement, especially in sports. A podcast like this goes a long way to helping today's players, management, and legal officials understand the huge impact that just being there with a shoulder to lean on for a player can have on the rest of their life. Keep up the excellent and important work you are doing. That is amazing. Took a lot of time to write that. Um, really appreciate the comments, and you're spot on. Uh, if we don't talk about this stuff, meaning the mental health, but even the stories around it from the past, from the present, uh, how the heck can we move forward in a way that's going to, you know, make the game a better place? So um, thank you so much for that, your Cal Pal. Uh, there is there's a couple more that came in last week, which I love. So I challenge you, if you have not, if you have not left the review yet, please get on your horse and do it. Um, 
and I'll thank you later, and maybe I'll read it on the podcast next week. So we'll get back to the episode with Mackenzie Stewart. Gotcha. Um, so when, when we talk about skills and we talk about getting better, like how, what is your approach to that, to improvement? And by the way, for anyone who's new here, again, I can't see who's watching or, or who isn't. Remember, this is definitely meant to be uh, interactive with Mackenzie. If you have something that applies to your son or if you're a coach out there and want to ask some questions, please do. I don't mean to monopolize the conversation. Um, definitely give the thumbs up if you like what you're hearing. Add some comments. It, it, it makes it uh, more fun for us and, and we want to keep it engaging. Um, but yeah, so back to what I was talking about there. Like what, how do you, somebody comes to you, let's say, says, hey, I want to do some work. Like what, what's the first steps of, uh, of figuring out what it is you're supposed to do? I think the, the simple mechanics of it is building from the ground up. So for example, if you're going to be shooting pucks off ice, First, work on just mastering the snapshot. Very simple, you know, standing still on a piece of whatever glass off the ice or whatever it is. Um, and just work on hitting your corners. Be consistent with that. Learn what it feels like to do that consistently before you start to s skip a step. Um, I find lots of the times that we skip over the basics just to jump into the advanced stuff. Like we all want to learn how to shoot like Austin Matthews um, with that big toe drag shot. But we skip the step of the snapshot first. So once you get through the basics, then start to build more dynamic training um, zones for yourself. And what I mean by that is, so for example, a peewee hockey player, I might say, okay, we're just going to focus on the basis of being able to get that good flexion in your stick, letting the stick work for you in a snapshot scenario, um, maybe work on a couple of different angles, get you comfortable with raising the puck, um, then start picking corners. Um, and then from there, let's say a junior level player, like they could do that all day. Um, now I want to work on something a little more dynamic. I want you to take a toe drag, step and pull, shoot, and I want you to hit the top left corner every single time. Um, getting more dynamic with your shooting, specifically even your stick handling now because the game is so quick and defenders are so amazing. Like It's not very often do you see a guy come down the wing with a snapshot and fool a goalie. It just doesn't happen. Um, there's always something dynamic movement happening or some uncomfortable position that they put themselves in. For example on an Austin Matthews shot, if you really break it down and watch it, like he's taking that release from almost in between his legs. It looks unnatural when you slow it down with just how big of a toe drag that is towards himself. Um, those are the little skills that are going to make those shots happen and, and turn into goals. Because again, you can't just take a shot and expect it to go into the net anymore. Um, lots of those shots from far out or, or you know, those scoring chances have to be more dynamic or they have to be a really quick release. You have to be working on one of the two. Right. Uh, yeah. Fundamentals are important. One, a couple of things came to mind there as you were talking and one, one of them was, is that generally we have, when it comes to shooting now, generally yeah. players have a sweet spot. And there's a way that they like to shoot the puck and that way becomes a, a hindrance in, in my opinion. Because 100%. Yeah, they need to find that way to get that puck into that position to be able to release that puck. And what I like about Matthews, and you mentioned Matthews, is that, yes, he's a righty, and yes, he loves to pull it in, right, and then shoot it. But he can also go out. Out with it, absolutely. Much force, right? Yeah. And that's, like, and that's crazy. So, like, I guess for, for the listeners here and maybe some of the kids that might watch this in their houses, like, I talked to my boy about that. It's like, you know what, like, have that like when when they break down their practice i suggest like hey have some type of scenario that you're going to get uncomfortable with too yeah exactly you have to get uncomfortable 
Right. And that uncomfortable means, you know what? It might be a duck. You might not even get it off the ice. You I mean, you might like, who knows what that thing is and how awkward that feels and how gross that feels and how bad you're going to tell yourself uh, you are at it. But like that, like you said that earlier, that's where the growth comes, right? With that uncomfortability. 100%. You have to find that thing so you can have a wider net, right? You have uh, to have a 180 radius in all your game. Um, and I think that's what NHL guys are doing so well these days is that they are training out of their comfort zones. They are taking things more dynamic. I mean, if you have a comfort zone in your shot, that's for sure going to be your tell. Um, the minute that you set up in that position and the goalie sees you shoot more than once, they're going to know exactly what's happening when you go into that position again. Um, the more dynamic you can be in a 180 radius around your body, um, you know, the harder it is for a goalie to make a, a reaction onto your shot. And you just have to be able to um, practice those positions and make it as game-like as possible. Like, make it as relevant to something like I'm pulling around a defender and taking a shot. I'm going to pull around a defender and take a shot off my strong leg. I'm going to pull around a defender, take a shot off my weak leg. And I'm going to get comfortable with both. And once you get comfortable with shooting, now it's not just good enough to shoot it. You have to pick a corner with it and be consistent. You have to really drill it into you and know what that feels like. So that when it comes game time, you know, how often in the NHL did you get a shot right down the freaking middle and no traffic, nobody's in front of you like once a season, you know what I mean? It never happens. So it's more of those, those shots that you had where, oh, if I just got a little bit in this awkward position, but I didn't have time to set it up. And, you know, that's why I miss a net. Well, that's the difference between a 20 goal score and a 30 goal score, or a 30 goal score and a 40 goal score is because they're able to get that release in those uncomfortable positions. And it's not fluke. They practice. No, a hundred percent. And I'll even break that down. I mean, I know you didn't do it intentionally, but like, five goals makes a million dollar difference in the NHL. Unbelievable. And, and it makes, and it makes a, a round or two difference in the draft. Like those things do matter, right? Oh, like those a 29 and a 30 is a big pay difference. <laughs> yeah, big makes a big difference. And, and just for the parents there too, right. And this is the idea. And like I said, sometimes the athletes watch these things. I, I can relate from the perspective of like, and there's going to be kids that are watching this that are good right now and their shots better than the goalies, right? You can overpower yeah. people, especially at the minor hockey level, right? Some guys mature quicker. Some guys are stronger. Not, oh, they yeah. have the just, the, I mean, nobody can stop it because they're just not good enough. But at some point that equals out, right? That's oh, some those goalies are good enough. And when you get stuck with that one trick pony, as you said, and your tell matters. And, and I'll tell one story, which is funny. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think I've shared it here, but when I was with Toronto, um, the great Curtis Joseph was there, right? So I'm playing for the Leafs. Curtis Joseph is there. And this guy worked as just, he worked like a dog, loved his nickname. Cause he was a dog out there. And, and he, he on his off games uh, wanted to stay out after. And I always loved staying out after too. So a lot of times when he wasn't in the pipes and, and Healy would start, it would be me and C Curtis Joseph at the end of practice were the only ones on the ice. And he would have me, and not to pump my own tires, but we're talking about a guy who scored 47 goals in the minors in one season, right? Like it wasn't like I yeah. didn't score. And he would tell me to put five pucks on the hash marks, center hash marks. He'd stand on the goal line and I had to score three to win. And there was lots of times I wouldn't score any. Because he knew, right? Like he knew I could yeah. not, like my uncomfortable position for a relief wasn't good enough to beat him. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and he knew where my strong shot was and my release and he could tell where it was going and it drove me nuts. Crazy. I hate that. Absolutely <laughs> nuts. Um, but yeah, I mean, guys get that good. You know what I mean? And some goalies don't pick up your release. I mean, there are guys that you're going to have, but there's sometimes when they see it and if you can't change it, you know, you don't no. score on. You're it's not, not going to win. And, and at the end of the day, if your goal is to make it to the highest level, 
the goal is at the highest level, they're going to know your tells. And yeah. they're going to be able to see that right away. You take those two strides step and that big kind of, you know, what looks like a disguise shot. It's not disguised. They know what's happening. Yeah, I agree. No, that's great. And I guess, I mean, the, the message here is, is like, make the practice matter. I mean, guys, like it, it, I, I hear it's famous. So I'm going to shoot 200 pucks today. Well, I mean, I, awesome. You're probably doing more than the next guy. So I, I think that's great. But like, how are you shooting those 200 pucks? Yeah. Right. Like, is mind in it like are you actually focusing on what you're doing what are you trying to improve while you're doing that or is it just like monotonous repetition and that's sometimes that actually is worse for you because you're ingraining some terrible habits you're potentially getting bad habits exactly i think um one of the things i try and and focus on a lot with my players is getting that mental aspect as well when it comes into your training that there has to be an intention there's an intention to this practice there's a purpose behind it and if you can't like the the most exhausting thing about practice is not the physical side it's the mental side and having that focus and that discipline to stay within what you're trying to practice it's easy to get distracted it's easy to shoot 200 pucks and by puck 50 you're like hey watch this i'm going to sauce it on top of the net right like you have to have a structure without your practice of this is a skill i'm intended on improving today or this month or this week and i'm going to do it until i have it mastered and i can hit that spot time and time and time again um and it takes time and it's practice and it's intentional and it's focus and it's a lot of mental focus to visualize the scenario in your head of, I love to use a toe drag shot because I think it's so versatile in this game is that I'm pulling this in around a defender. Well, where's this defender going to be? What's realistic on the ice? What do I see most in this circumstance? Maybe your pull in isn't as long as the next guy's. Um, you know, you have to really kind of calculate what you're practicing. Otherwise you're just, again, you might be picking up bad habits or it might not be game-like. And if you can't do it in a game, then congratulations to your practice hero, but that doesn't get you the ice time in the minutes that you want. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, I mean, so there's, I just love talking about this stuff because it's actually, it's it's super real and it's great to have a conversation with you about it because, you know, a lot of times parents haven't been involved. They don't really get it. And this is something that they, that they're athletes that, that take the game seriously, right? Seriously. Like you take the game seriously and it can be important to you, but if you don't know what you don't know, Nothing yeah. changes. Right? Like you think yeah. you're doing the right thing, but you're actually not doing the right thing. So you need like that conversation matters. And when kids 13, 14, 15, 16 that I work with, I'm like, no, like this is how you can break down what you're doing. You know, this is, this is how yeah. I want you to focus. And I want you to dedicate a time, a, a time capsule in your, in your program where you're going to for sure work. And the what you're actually working on is not only your shot, but you're working on your focus. Your focus. You're, being able to control your mindset, even when you don't want to shoot that puck again, yep. you know that time isn't up, right? And that's part of the practice. And then, of course, incorporate 50 minutes of fun and screw around because that's what it's supposed to be. But when they actually acknowledge the skill development outside of the skill, you know, like the shot, right? Yeah. Outside, of this, I'm working on my shot. When they realize that shot is now also has to do with my preparation and my focus and my intention and my yep. deliberateness. Like that's a whole different level of practice. Yeah, it's and it's what takes the average and turns them into elite is having like the first step to any training session is preparation. You cannot go and train without prep. And that doesn't mean I'm going to warm up. It's literally I'm mentally thinking about what do I want to accomplish today and how am I going to plan out this? And that is the first step. Put yourself in a space where you can improve. Um, if you don't do that, then you're just blindlessly shooting pucks, like you said and or doing whatever skill it might be there has to be intention it has to be for players like I, I can't preach enough like you need to get uncomfortable get comfortable with being uncomfortable um if you know that you have an amazing you know 
snapshot. Okay, then work on your backend. Work on a different yeah. type of snapshot. Like get yourself to where there's a point where there isn't a place the puck can be. And you know, like you hear the term, you can never give a good player a bad pass. Well, you should not have a bad shot in any place around your stick. Yeah. No, for sure. That um there's a comment here that they watch Kale McC uh I'm sorry, I, I can't uh, say who it is because it's uh it's uh, you know an anonymous user because of the stream yard, but it says I, I watched Kale McCarr in a lot of skills sessions in junior and he spent hours on all the tricks and it's paid off in Colorado. Yeah, I mean for sure. And you I mean you're Again, we, we, we don't want to say that, you know, you do this and you're going to be Kale McCarr, but it's amazing how frequently those names or those guys that make it actually are the ones that do the stuff we're talking about. You exactly. know, like the correlation is high, you know, it's, the correlation. It's, it's there. And the, I think there isn't, like, I think it'd be naive to think that even the guys who are in the minors and the NHL, if you're in professional hockey, you're doing those things. You are. Yeah. You're just, there's no way to get there without intentionally thinking about it. Things don't just accidentally happen to you and all of a sudden you wake up and you're in the NHL. Everything is intention with those guys. Yeah. Uh, one of the things, so we have, like I mentioned earlier, parents of all different age hockey players here. And, and what we're talking about, like on like the, I'd say this is like the junior level, Bantam level, like maybe Bantam level, they're starting to get, you know, drafted yep. attention. Serious Bantam players can have this type of intention, but they can yep. definitely like graduated scale. Right. I mean, like for my, for my seven or eight year old, I mean, I would be like, you can have that. Like, what are you, what are you going to work on? Like that could be yeah. the, the, the extent of like what their preparation is doing, you know I mean? but just yeah. to get that locked in that, you know what, it's not just blind. It's not just loss going out there. Right. So there's ways, there's a graduated, I guess, way to talk about this, depending on the athlete that you're dealing with. For um, sure. You know, you don't want an eight year old having a, you know, detailed practice plan <laughs> and like, the way they have to be and you know i mean like that's fine but that's not my expectation at least right i no. think that there's there's an expectation that 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 is age appropriate within this that is teaching those skills to help them out in the future for sure and i think you know in terms of just talking about visualization or talking about intention and that mental side of things um if they're younger than 14 like you need them to enjoy the game so maybe that preparation or that intention is how much fun are you going to have today and let's make this as fun as possible. Get you to enjoy it because too often do we drill in, um, you know, this regiment that just is never going to stick in the long run. I've seen kids get themselves out of the game that were extremely talented because mom and dad said they had to do this and they didn't want to do that. Um, you know, there comes a certain age where I'd say around 14, 15, it's like either you're taking it seriously or you're playing hockey. Um, you know, do you want to be a hockey player or do you want to play hockey? And it comes around that 14, 15 age where the motivation is enough now they can see kind of a future with the WHL, they can see junior hockey in their kind of sights and they start to realize that this has to become a little more serious than just having fun. Um, and if you want to just have fun, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. You can have fun, improve your skills and play a high level hockey and, you know, have, have a great time at it. But if you want to be that much more serious and, and want to really strive to be excellent, um, you're going to have to start practicing those things that we're talking about. And, and that's when it becomes a little bit more, um, you know, real around your, your intention and your mental practices. It's professional, right? I think the, the, yeah. the earlier you to be a professional, like the better. And, and again, I, I, I echo what you're saying there. It's not my dream. It's their dream, whatever that yeah. is, right? Yeah. You want to be wherever that is, there's going to be a way to get to that. And that, that's yeah. what I try and be real with who, whoever I'm working with is like, okay, I love the goal. I love the intention. I love the big dream. This is, is like let's work together on how we think that looks right yeah. like how how does that 
step look? Like, well, how does that process look? And now it's up to you whether you want to follow through on that, right? And if that's yeah. not for you, then that's fine. And I would suggest changing your dream and just, you know, like you said, play hockey. Don't yeah. be a hockey player, you know? Like, exactly. Uh, no, that's a really that's a really cool way of putting it. Uh, I think, well, we're almost done here. Um, one thing I, I, I when we were talking about shooting, and I just, it's just my own curiosity. I find that one of the biggest breakdowns from a skill standpoint, at least from like the, well, actually, I think all the way up is passing. I don't yeah. think people know how to pass anymore. <laughs> no. and, uh, and it's crazy. And, and one of the things, and, and this is just me being observing and then actually trying to get guys to, to figure out how to do it, is, well, one, all the skills stuff with the puck and their heads down all the time. You know, yeah. what they're working on is usually head down stuff. So it's hard to even see that the pass is there. And two, that ability to move a puck firm along the ice yeah. is lost because everyone's trying to go top shelf all the time. Like yeah. to me, it's phenomenal. Like, especially at that young age from like 10, 11, 12, get a 10 or 11, 12 year old kid to try and pass the puck hard along the ice. It's, it's comical to watch. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's crazy. Even at the pro level, there's guys that still don't know how to pass. Um, and I think it's a skill that, um, you know, they say North Americans were just not good at passing. Um, the game has changed so much in the way that, you know, I never played, but they had two line passing where you had no choice but to pass and that got eliminated. And now we can get away with chipping it off the boards and rimming the puck and everything doesn't have to be as crisp because the, it's just move it forward and chase and chase and chase. Um, yeah. but that passing skill is something that, you know, even just something as simple as a backhand pass, it's forgotten about even at the pro level. Um, there's not a lot of guys and I played with Leon Dreisaitl. I, I was definitely say one of the best passers that I ever played with um, and just studying him and, and he would practice that. That's something that he practiced all the time. Um, his, his short pass, his long pass. And there was not very often he would miss a pass. Um, and there's a, there's a skill set to that as well. Oh, hundred percent. And I guess for just people listening and that's, what's hard because it's not sexy and it's kind of not fun. Uh, but it's to practice shooting low, hard, like no yeah. one likes shooting bottom corners like that two foot off the ice one foot off the ice like that practice i try and talk to my guys a lot about practicing that because that correlates to a precise pass right a firm yeah. cross pass it correlates to other things and also you score some goals with that shot right but if the only thing you can yeah. do is bar, i mean it's hard anyways um i promised you an hour so here's an hour uh, i think <laughs> I, mean, I really enjoyed it it's amazing how quick 60 minutes goes um, awesome hearing your story. Awesome hearing about you. I, I love what you stand for and what you're all about. And I think there's a lot of good stuff here for, uh, for all the, the parents that are going to watch this here and are going to watch this after. Uh, so Mackenzie, thank you very much for joining. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's, it's awesome to come out and, and educate and I'd love to come back on the podcast or whatever this is, uh, again. Yeah, yeah, I know it turned out to be a little bit of a podcast. But yeah, for everyone here listening too, so remember, it's Allegiance Hockey. Um, it was Mackenzie's company. There's some online online programs there if you want to find out more about uh, what Mackenzie does and what he has to offer. But he's also going to be in the group. Uh, we spoke earlier, and Mackenzie's going to offer some of his drills that he thinks would be great for us. So my skill Sundays uh, are going to be Mackenzie's for the next couple of weeks. He's going to offer some of his own videos. So that's awesome. We really appreciate you doing, doing that, Mackenzie. And, uh, and just a reminder to everyone out there, right, that this, this group um, is pretty special. I think what we're doing here is really special. What you, what you guys get uh, every week is pretty special. And the, the type of quality people we're getting on here to try and, to try and make your hockey journey uh, 
better is special. So in saying that, please tell people about it and please ask them to join and, and please get, get the word out there. I love seeing the numbers grow. I love when I see you guys recommend it. It tells me that we're doing something right here. So um, thank you so much for doing that and all the support we've had so far. Um, so again, Mackenzie, thank you so much. And, and for you guys out there, are going to see more of them. And I uh, can't wait to work with you more. And, and thanks for sharing today. Yeah, no, I look forward to it and uh, look forward to building a relationship with people in the group and get the skills going. Awesome. Thanks, man. Sweet. Thank you so much for staying to the end. Thank you so much for listening to that deep voice of mine. Uh, Mackenzie is an absolute gem. I told you you should have waited or you should have listened. Um, his stories are phenomenal. I love all the takeaways, how committed he was to his craft, to his nutrition, how that got him noticed because people were like, what the heck is this guy doing? What is he up to? How is this guy not a great influence for other people around him? Uh, he got his opportunities. Well, he was also a good player, don't get me wrong, but because of the person behind the player. And how many times have you heard that from my, from my mouth? That the person needs to develop as much as the player does. And when you have amazing people traits, when you're a human being that organizations want in their locker room, you're going to increase your chances of contracts, of being drafted, of playing pro hockey. Um, you know, Mackenzie came, overcame so much adversity. The way he used perspective to see these things, not as problems, not as excuses, but as challenges of ways to define him as an athlete and as a and as a human. Um, super, I get super pumped about it. I just uh, I just love his story. I love what he's doing now. Um, he does he does great work with uh, with with skill work. He, he loves going on ice with players. He also has online programs. That's at Allegiance Hockey. Huge shout out to Allegiance Hockey and to Mackenzie Stewart. And uh, we'll have to have him back on the podcast again because I really enjoy every chance I have a, uh, an opportunity to speak with him. So uh, once again, really appreciate your support. Thank you for being here till the end and play hard. Keep your head up.